Hey everyone. Well, today's episode is called Live Well Forever with Dave Stickland. And well, let, let's be honest, chances are you and I will not live forever. But what's your health plan to be healthy and active well into 70s, 80s, even 90s? Now, if you're 50 now and I will be 52 in a few months, you know, that's that's 40 more years of living. And will you spend those years living, truly living, or just being alive? So Dave Stickland, he's also known as that fit old guy on Instagram. He shares his approach, his own approach to health and wellness, including his journey from being a sickly child to ignoring his health in his 20s and 30s to getting really fit in his 50s. He talks a bit about the prevalence and danger of metabolic syndrome and metabolic illnesses and three key things that we can do to prevent, control, or reduce those metabolic syndrome-related illnesses. And those are things that are just helpful to living well in general. He also talks about the importance of agility, especially as we age and how to increase it. The difference between health span and lifespan and is something that I'm hearing more and more about these days and thinking more and more about these days, as well as he talks about what living well at age 90 might look like. Now, I'm not a doctor. You know that. None of this is medical advice, but I do appreciate Dave's common sense and balanced approach to living well. He doesn't preach raw discipline or white-knuckled austerity, but really himself embraces a life of eat cake, gain muscle, lose weight, have fun. Now, Midlife Mastery continues to grow. I'm really excited about this. I know I mention it a lot, but we now have downloads in 54 countries. And the top 10 countries include some of the ones you would expect and maybe some that you wouldn't. We've, we've got the U.S., Canada, Mexico, United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, as well as India, South Africa, France, and Malta. And so big shout out to, to all the listeners in those countries, especially newer listeners. And by the way, if you are a new listener, recent episodes include, we talk about self-esteem in a selfie world with Shoba Nialani. We talk about focusing on your wellness for a great midlife with Dave Conley. James Burbage talked about pursuing your dreams in midlife. And Laura Friedman Williams talked about midlife reinvention after a marriage ends. So if you're ready to play bigger in midlife, Let's get started. All right. So Dave, you are known as that fiddled guy on Instagram and excited to have you on reach out. You have uh, kind of a, a unique approach. So one, your, your tagline seems to be live well forever, uh, which is a beautiful concept. And you also had a post a while back that I, you know, it catches the eye. It, it was eat cake, gain muscle, lose weight and have fun. And, you know, that seems like a wonderful philosophy. I know you're, you're also involved in, in healthcare, your dad, your CrossFitter. You also mentioned you're a humanist. So that, that covers a lot of ground in there. <laughs> but so, you know, so much I want to talk about. But I guess, first off, what's your journey been? So, you know, how old are you right now? And have you always been in such good shape? Because I know the uh, listeners no, I, can't see you, but you are in phenomenal shape. So, well, bless you. That's very kind of you. Yeah, I'm about to turn 60. And no, I've been a very poorly boy. I was born with chronic asthma. So I spent a lot of my childhood in an oxygen tent, having suppositories shoved where they shouldn't be shoved, having injection and adrenaline and stuff. And I guess I followed that up pretty quickly with a, a fairly abusive college and 20s period like a lot of lot of kids you know you spend too much time on the booze and stuff like that so I didn't do myself any favors if I'm honest Brock and then when my first kid was born Ben when I was 35 
I guess I started doing kind of things that blokes do in Lycra, you know, the running and the cycling and that sort of stuff. So I think I am informed by the pain and the illness I had in my early years because I, because I've experienced it, I feel almost privileged because I know that I've got to work hard not to experience it again. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So, you know, I think a lot of us go through the deck, perhaps don't take the right lifestyle choices necessarily. And then by the time we're 50, 55, you know, we've got a shock that we're starting to get metabolic illnesses. And it's kind of a reactive, you know, you're then reactive to it, aren't you? Rather than trying to keep illness at bay. Yeah. So, so you started off bad. Took a turn for the worse, or at least didn't do yourself any favors. Once you, you must have been on the men, gotten a little better on the asthma and all that by the time yeah. you got to college. And 35, start having kids, reassessing life a little bit. So, where did you go from there? So, because a lot of people, if we didn't treat ourselves well in our 20s and 30s, we often don't have that base, that information. You know, sometimes you talk to people who are college athletes and yeah, they got a little off track, but they know how to get back on. And it sounds like, you were more just kind of, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but making it up as you go, you know, you hit 35, you start getting a little more active. And so what's been the journey from, from 35 to 60? Yeah. So I think like a lot of people in their thirties, forties, maybe listening to this, it's a kind of a period in your life where you're, you're blocked by kids, aren't you? You're blocked by kids, mortgage work, possibly aging parents. So you're, you're pincered for both ends of life with young children and older parents, mortgages and work and stuff. So I guess I tried to fit into that. And, you know, even when I was 35, and let's face it, that's 25 years ago, the health and fitness industry wasn't nearly as well formed. We were in what I would call the cardio phase, where everybody thought the answer to life was to be aerobic, wasn't it? You know, and you either did step, you did the Reebok step, or you did a cardio exercise, boys got on bikes, or they ran, you know, and that that was what was around at the time. So I started jogging and running, and um, that made me feel much better. And I gave up smoking at about 35 as well. And I just found that I actually felt high because I was lucky or unlucky enough to try naughty substances like a lot of us do in our teens and 20s. I kind of knew certain different highs. And when I discovered the high of the endorphin, it just really suited me. And I felt high a lot in a really nice way. And I just thought, well, actually, I know it sounds corny, but it it felt like the best drug ever. And then I was lucky enough one day to, I think I'd had enough of the whole men in Lycra thing, the whole running cycling thing. I realized it wasn't right, you know, because I think you know what not it's not right it's fantastic for people and it's great for mental health as well so i don't want to diss it but also you know when you're in these cardio modes you're burning muscle often as well so i wanted to find something else and my godchildren were watching on youtube they're watching the crossfit finals and i thought that is unbelievable I think you said you had watched it, didn't you? Or you were inspired by it? Uh, yeah, well, a previous guest, yeah, Laurie Mischeschnik was uh, has medaled at the CrossFit Games, and so, yeah, yeah, it's uh, amazing stuff. Yeah, and I, I thought, oh my god, I wish I'd done that, you know, because when I was young, I always wanted to be a marine, right? I thought, yeah, 
I looked wicked. But I was never going to be able to do it with asthma. It just wasn't a world open to me. And then when I saw the CrossFit Games with my young godchildren and were showing me, I thought, you know, that 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 sort of envy, that that want to be that person came bouncing back to me. And I was about 54 at the time and I never did anything about it. And then I don't know how it came across me, but somebody said, well, they do masters. And I thought, well, I can be that person. You can, I can be that big butch hunk, you know, and even when I'm 60 and it really inspired me. So yeah, I joined a CrossFit gym and that's how I got to it because I felt that was proper health. And it's a very holistic way of looking at health as, as, as your guest might've told you, you know, it involves food and not just pumping weights, but it involves the whole health journey. So yeah, it really, really inspired me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think there's this myth out there, or at least something we tell ourselves often that, you know, by the time we're 50, 60, you know, you're just too old to gain muscle, really, you know, you're losing muscle as you age and, you know, you'll, you'll get hurt if you lift weights and all kinds of myths and rumors out there. Although I, I just, as a side note, I do recall a gym I used to go to, you know, there's always the college kids and they're high-fiving each other and throwing weights around and being college kids. But this uh, guy older, you know, white hair, Santa beard, kind of a, a stocky, portly fellow. Yeah. He put 450 pounds on the squat rack, squatted a few times with, no, you know, total silence, just no big deal. Went about his day. It's like, man, that is impressive. You know, the young wow. guys moving weights, <laughs> <laughs> this guy squatting yeah. 450, like it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, he, he, in my view, he's very enlightened because of course, you know, what weights basically do is that, you know, you're getting all the benefit of lifting weights, but as soon as you pretty much do more than five reps, you're in, you're in, you're going towards aerobic mode anyway. So getting the cardio. So for me, it's that, you know, you're getting, you're getting two bangs for buck, aren't you? You're, you're, mm. you're killing two birds with one stone. So, you know, depending on what level you're at and what reps your PT um, or your coach has given you, you know, why, why just run along and waste all that money when you could be doing two at once? Definitely. Well, well and, and you you certainly run counter to, to that myth. So if you were doing kind of aerobic running, cycling through your 30s, 40s, and really only picked up CrossFit in your mid 50s, you clearly didn't have a problem putting muscle on, you know, get, getting in shape that way. So, you know, it kind of kind of dispels that myth a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think you've got to be very careful, though. There's kind of a few things you need to know or you need to eat well. Because as you as you alluded to, Brock, you do waste muscle as you get older. Sorry, you don't waste it. You you naturally will lose about three percent of your muscle mass per decade. Yeah. So boys like me and you, I mean, obviously you're a lot younger than me, but you know you're probably getting to the age where you need to eat plenty of protein because that's fueling that's fueling the muscle build because you can't synthesize it when you're our age. You know, it's, you haven't got the hormone anymore. Yeah, I definitely notice a difference in what I can eat, what I can tolerate, what I feel good after eating that, you know, compared to, to my younger days. But so you had the, like I say, kind of, kind of like I say, and it was a post you did, but the eat cake, gain muscle, lose weight, have fun. You know, that runs counter to so many <laughs> approaches. It, it, it seems like we either get to eat cake or we get to be in shape, but we don't get to do both. And that's not your approach. So tell us a little bit about how, what's your approach to kind of the diet nutrition life. So I kind of see 
I kind of see exercise and nutrition as two. I, I imagine if you've got two levers, you know, those diggers, we call them JCBs. You've got mm-hmm. the big front actor that shovels and right. you've got the back arm, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And I use that as a metaphor because I think if you, the front actor is your food, okay, that will dictate your weight and you shovel that on or off as you want. So in that sphere, it's particularly important to know where your calories are at. And with apps like MyFitnessPal now, there's no excuse. So if you want to drop weight to a certain level, you simply use that front actor. And the back actor is the, you know, is your metabolic health, which is your muscle, essentially, because that's going to pump up your heart and keep, you know, all of those metabolic illnesses like, you know, diabetes and high cholesterol, high blood pressure, all that at bay. And uh, the lovely thing about weights and resistance training in particular is it allows you to have a fantastic diet. So, yeah, absolutely eat cake. But I think the the devil is in the detail here. It's all about the dose. There is nothing wrong with a huge slice of gatto. But if you go having it every tea, then there probably is. So I think people always use the 80-20, don't they, the Pareto you know, everything's 80-20 in life, isn't it? So I'll use that one again. You know, 80% of your meals need to be on, on target. And then 20% just go and have a great time. You know, get the pizza, stuff the cake. And that's the lovely thing about exercises, I'm sure you know. You know, it earns you. <laughs> it earns you cake, doesn't it? Well, so in that thought, you know, kind of that balanced approach, which I like that thought. I mean, you would. I also saw that you had mentioned that something like 80% of Americans, and you mentioned that the the British are not too far behind, have some sort of metabolic illness. So I guess, first off, what is a metabolic illness? And 80% just sounds so high. That's like almost all of us. I think if you start to Google it, the actual definition of a metabolic syndrome is one or more of certain conditions. So it would be being overweight and obese. It would be having diabetes or being pre-diabetic. So insulin resistant, it would be having high blood pressure, it would be having high cholesterol, and there's all sorts of other illnesses that you most Americans would find common, like heartburn, inflammatory illnesses, right? So a lot of people will brush these under the table and say, oh, well, it's just because I'm getting older, you know? And I find, because I'm in private health, you know, when I, when I ask people for their medical information, they just say, oh, I've got high blood pressure, but I'm taking pills for it. Like it's not there. But because <laughs> the pills have brought the high blood pressure down. But as you probably know, most of these pills that are dealt out to all of us in the Western world are symptom relievers. They're not curers. You know, you've got high blood pressure probably for a reason. It's highly unlikely to be genetic, although it might. It's highly likely to just be years of being a little bit too sedentary and probably eating a little bit too much of what you shouldn't have been eating. And I think it doesn't take much to avoid having a metabolic illness, but it's certainly the, the, it's certainly the thing that's costing America and the UK in healthcare costs. Well, you know, you mentioned it and it, it is interesting. It has become so commonplace that it is kind of no big deal. Like, of course you have high blood pressure. Like, you know, everyone has high blood pressure, right? And, you know, that's just kind of... It's not an odd thing. In fact, it's more odd probably to think about, hey, it might be more natural to not have high blood pressure or any of those 
metabolic sy- symptoms that you've mentioned. And it has become so commonplace that I, I guess it, it, maybe it doesn't get, get much thought, but what are some ways that we, I mean, you, you have the tagline live well forever. So what are some ways that we, we can, you know, take, take control of that without having to go to pharmaceuticals or more extreme solutions? There's probably three, you know, we were talking about everybody likes a silver bullet. They want a magic recipe for staying well. And they want a prescription. I don't mean as in a medical prescription, but they want a prescription for life. And I actually put a post out in the last two weeks. I put a carousel out just to say, look, here are the three things you have to do, right? So I put it in black and white to provoke people to disagree. And these are the three things you need to have to do. You need to get your heart rate to beat. That's more than 60% of its max for at least 20 minutes a day or two and a half hours a week. If you don't know what your maximum heart rate is, it's simply the number 220 less your age. So I'm 60, so my maximum heartbeat is 160. So for me to fulfill this need, I need to hit... 100 beats a minute for at least 20 minutes a day. That is number one. Your heart is a muscle, just like your bicep, it needs to be pumped. Number two, sleep, which actually should come first because it's the most important. It's the base of your whole life. There's a very famous book circulating. I think it's an American, Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep. If you haven't come across it, I strongly recommend to read because he can say, tenfold what I can but you 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 know you do need seven and a half hours sleep a night and if you're not getting it then that must be your first stop to your health journey and number three is food you alluded to the fact that there's just so much information out there about food and so much rubbish talked about it and there's too many people worrying about whether they have oat milk or soya milk in coffee and whether they're having enough blueberries but the brutal honesty is that It's only calorie balance and the proportion of protein in your diet that's really going to make any difference to you. Those are the, you know, those are the things. Those are my three things. Anything else is, you know, by all means do them, but they are down the line. Well, and I appreciate that approach because a lot of people kind of go to the, this is, this is it. Nothing else matters. Everything else is detrimental versus these are the most important. And yeah, other stuff matters too, but get these nailed first. Yeah. Yeah. They're Um, they're baseline. I I think sleep is problematic for people because, you know, there are people that have got mental health issues, people that have pretty, pretty rough upbringings and all that will interfere with their sleep. And they all have, you know, when people are tired, their hormones get out of balance and, that can encourage greater eating, which, you know, has self-esteem issues, which goes on to stress. So it gets very complicated, doesn't it? But I think looking at health, uh, sleep hygiene, just making sure you've got a cold, dark bedroom and you kick your partner out if they snore, and <laughs> you know, you do all you can. And don't stress out about not sleeping. That's the important thing. If you can't sleep, don't count sheep, just lie and relax. You know, at least you've got you rest in, which is the base of all your health. You know, it's, it's interesting to me how much more I'm hearing about sleep these days. And I don't know if it's more out in mainstream society or just, I'm talking to people like you who are really focused on fitness. And that has become kind of a key cornerstone because 
you know, when I was just looking into fitness, you know, you mentioned 25 years ago. Yeah. And it was mainly, you know, aerobic 80% calorie carbohydrate diets to fuel that, that those bicycle cranks and running or whatever you were doing. And I never heard much about sleep and you, you know, I've read a lot about muscle building and all that. And I'm just hearing about it more and more. And I, I guess I find that fascinating because it, well, it seems so passive, right? It's not something you're, you're actively working out or anything you're mm. sleeping and yet to, to do it well, at least what I'm hearing. And from kind of what you say, there is, you, you have to be intentional about it. Yeah, I think you do. I mean, the, the Matthew Walker book, I'll repeat again, because it's it's a groundbreaking book. And although it's just called Why We Sleep, I'd probably consider it to be the most important fitness book I've ever read. And, you know, he, he says it's much better than me. But the bottom line is, if you miss roughly an hour in a night, it's the equivalent of eating another 40, 400 calories the next day of food, because your body wants to compensate. It, it knows it's tired. And it's saying, fuel me up ready for the day and so yeah it's definitely the base in, in fact whilst we're on the conversation of crossfit we've got quite a famous coach in the industry called ben bergeron he lives i think he operates out of new england and he was asked once he said would you rather your athletes did an extra hour in the gym a day or had an extra hour of sleep and he didn't even have to think about it he said just give them sleep mm. you know sleep 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 um, and there's a couple of them uh, Brooke Wells in particular, she's well known for her sleep. You know, she monitors it all and she's sleeping nine hours a night to support her fitness journey. That's such a, I don't know, it's one of those that I'm having to focus more and more on because I've never enjoyed sleep that much. I never slept that well for a period of my life. I was up for a couple hours in the middle of the night and, you know, just, I, you know, I, functioning off six or six or so hours of sleep. And yet kind yeah. of the, the older I get and the more I focus on getting more of the, I guess the more benefits from it I'm seeing and appreciating. So it's good. Good um, news. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just trying that sleep hygiene, the different things to kind of ensure the, the best sleep I can get for whatever sleep I, I'm getting. And it's just, yeah. like I say, it's something I've only been hearing about very recently past couple of years or so, but I'm hearing about it from a lot of different people. Yeah. And it's so, the first thing in my life, and I power nap as well. I, I, I've slept in the day every day since I was 18 years old. I mean, I can do that just for eight minutes, mind. I just set my iPhone, you know, for 20 minutes. That's enough for me to go down, be under for about eight minutes. Then I wake up and jump up. So I, I don't feel, you know, all grouchy and dizzy afterwards. I'm just up and gone again. In fact, I think Thomas Edison did a ton of power naps. That's how. Yeah, kind of that's right. I'm Churchill. Churchill yeah. was a big after after lunch sleeper, Winston Churchill. Yeah. Well, so so those three things we we all need to do. So once we kind of dial in our caloric balance, our sleep, make sure we're getting our heart rate up. What are some of the the details that are then worth paying attention to, kind of beyond those? I would say, I mean, I have my own little pyramid. Yeah, I don't know whether any of you remember Maslow's triangle, which we all learned at school, which was where you know, the human needed shelter and food first. And then you went up this pyramid, didn't you? And at the top was altruism. My base is sleep and it's followed up by body composition. So I, I use the word composition rather than weight, okay? Because it's more important that we know we've got the right muscle and fat mass than we've just got plain weight. And then third on my pyramid, and to answer your question, is mobility and flexibility. Because... You know, being brutal, you know, when you're 90, 
you need to be able to lower yourself onto a toilet, right? <laughs> uh, and not only that, you need to throw the grandchildren in the air. You know, you want to make, you want to maybe help your son and daughter load the sofa, the city onto a lorry. And, you know, to do any exercise with weights, you need the mobility. And you talked about squatting earlier, your fella that can squat 480. Well, the first thing he needs to be able to do is get his hip joint below his knee joint into a full squat. And that is a, an amazing compound movement, the squats. And it's frightening the amount of people that I meet, even in their 30s, that can't do a full air squat, let alone load it with weight. <laughs> So, yeah, I think flexibility and mobility, very, very under chatted about. Yeah, it's in fact, so so for the listeners, I mean, obviously don't do this while you're driving, but it is interesting to just kind of stand in place and then squat down. Just see how low you can go yeah. and, then, and then stay there. Just yeah. stay, sit in a deep squat for a few minutes. And Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you can, but the beauty of an air squat is... It uses every single muscle in the body. So you don't slump into it. You keep a neutral spine. Use every muscle in your body to lower yourself to your, to your bums lower than your knee. And your feet are flat on the floor, pivoted around your instep. And then you can just go up and down and start repeating it. And once you've done it a few times, perhaps pick up a dumbbell, hold it in front of your neck, what we call a goblet squat. And that means that's loaded. And then maybe once you've you've done that, you can hold a broomstick above your hand, a bit like a snatch. You know, you just hold the broomstick above your head and then lower yourself into a squat that way. So that there are loads of variations. And that's what we would call a compound movement because it compounds thousands of muscles in the body. And that's why people love the deadlift as well, which is, I think, what we all know. You know, the deadlift is what... Eddie Hall and the, all the world's strongmen lift. You're lifting as much weight as you can off the ground and then putting it straight back down, but you're utilizing so many muscles. So compound lifting is probably the next thing after mobility and flexibility. And I mentioned even just doing the air squat because, you know, the, I didn't think of myself as inflexible, but the first time I did that, I was amazed at, uh, how well I didn't do it, you know? I, I yeah, started... you can get your bum low enough, right? <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> focusing on just doing that a little bit. As they say in America, get your ass to the grass or That's something right. like that, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so so we got sleep, focus on body composition, keeping yes. our, our, our body fat percentage low enough. Yeah. Mobility, flexibility, compound movements. Anything else in that pyramid that, that people should be aware of? I mean, we're talking about living well forever. You're talking about living in, in your 90s and still being able to. In fact, the picture you painted of someone being in their 90s is not the typical picture we see. I mean, you mentioned, you know, basically being able to live unassisted. I'm interpreting a little bit, but being able to pick up kids, help do just normal day-to-day -day things, move, you know, pick up things, put things down. You know, that's not what we normally think of, I think, or not the picture that's portrayed for us for those of us in our 90s. And yet, you know, why wouldn't we want to be that way in our 90s? Yeah. So I did a talk just before lockdown in front of quite a few people. And I asked the room how they saw good health at 90. And that is what I've come to realize is now living well forever. And those things were living with all five senses, living medication-free, 
living independently without any domestic, living pain-free. And the last thing was being able to walk a mile. We just selected a mile because, you know, it was a typical walk into a, into a town centre or a village to get some shopping. And I think, you know, it's an aim to have because you can then work towards that. You know, you don't go out for a walk without knowing where you're going to finish up, do you? So why would you go into life without having an ambition of where you're going to end up? No, health vision. And I think it sort of makes you focus on, particularly on physical work. One Another thing in my pyramid, which, in you know, this isn't a plug, but I've, I've started to get a, a YouTube channel to, and there's about 30 videos on there. But one of them you'll find is, is the health pyramid. Mm. And towards the top is one just called agility. And this is really about using your strength with speed and your brain, simply jumping up onto something. So just stand on the floor and put something very, very shallow in front of you. You know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking like a weight plate, but not everybody has a weight plate in their house. And just jump up onto it, something stable, so don't hurt yourself. And a weight plate would typically be about an inch or two inches deep. And you just jump up onto that with both feet into the air, right? And then, so it's just a standing jump, but the power that you need, you know, I can jump probably about onto my dining room table from a standing start, but I'm only short, you know, I'm only five foot three. Most of my colleagues will be able to jump up onto a kitchen worktop from a standing jump. So I think developing those sorts of skills have a huge impact on the body. And we all forget that. So, you know, even ask the average 30 year old to come into your home and ask them to jump up a step with both feet. People are very hesitant. So that that's fascinating to me that, you know, because thinking about jumping up on a step, that seems like no big deal, especially for someone in their 30s. And yet the other end of it, like I'm not much taller than you, but I definitely could not jump up on my kitchen table and at least land on my feet. Like <laughs> okay. I mean that 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 is amazing. So so clearly that that's something we, we can be striving for. And, and funny, I mean. It just struck me as you said it, you know, not everyone has a weight plate in their house. And mentally, I was like, well, what do you mean? Of course, everyone has weight plates at their house. Like, why wouldn't they? Well, okay, <laughs> I do, you do, but no, not everyone does. <laughs> and so no. I just kind of brought me back to reality there for a second. Yeah, exactly. So, so building a agility, because that's something I actually don't hear much about. And yet that is really, really impressive, that kind of standing jump. How did you go about building building your agility to that level? So there are, there are two things about fitness, which I learned early on, which was something called power and something called agility, because I, I seem because of my size and being short, be able to be quite a good power lifter. So I can squat, probably I can squat about 300, say, uh, pounds, which for my little height is probably okay. So I, I felt that I had this massive strength. And then my coach said to me, yeah, you have got strength, but because you haven't got technique, it means you haven't got power. And power is the combination of technique and strength. So if you talk about Olympic lifting, the ability to clean a bar onto your chest and then jerk it above your head is probably more than 50% technique and the rest strength. And the, the two combine in power, which I'm completely rubbish at. And I'm learning, you know, even I'm only in year four. So I'm learning to get that power. And it's a combo. And the same happens with agility. You know, you need power in your thighs to jump up onto the box. 
but you need the you know you need the kinetics you need the brain yeah you need to teach it that it's okay to jump into the air with both feet at the same time and you need to teach yourself that gradually so using the weight plate and then perhaps a step at home because a step is only about 250 mil so i'm not good at converting that into inches but say eight inches and just jump up eight inches, you know, and then you can take 16, then you can take 32. And before you know it, you're up two or three feet. And I think the nice thing about doing something like CrossFit or at least any functional fitness is it will build all of this for you. So it'll build some speed in you. It'll build your thighs, your, all your muscles, your butt, you know, your glutes are particularly important in old age. Another combo of all of that will just allow you to spring up into the air and jump onto your dining room table. <laughs> Simples. <laughs> so what, what inspired you to, to start sharing all this on Instagram and YouTube and all those places? Because you're, you're sharing more than just your, your own fitness journey. I mean, you're sharing a lot of great ideas and a lot of principles to help others. Yeah, so I do um, private healthcare in the UK, which is a bit different to the American health system. You probably know that we've got a free health system in the UK. So yeah. we look after our whole population through the national health system. But there's a huge but with a capital B, U and T. That gets blocked, it can be underfunded, there can be huge queues. So I provide private healthcare insurance through, you know, my company is one of the one of the big five in the UK. And I, I just looked at my customers and I thought, you know what? I love my customers. I love my job, but I, I'm the sort of businessman that never, ever wants to see my customers because if I do, it means they're ill. And so I thought, well, actually, what, I, what can I do to prevent them being ill? And I thought, well, I've been so ill myself and I have found that I can correct it. And all my metrics are saying the same to me as well. So, you know, I, you know, I love you guys over there because you're so good at that side of things. Like you talk about taking your bloods like it's normal. Somebody, a, a Brit wouldn't do that. They'd be considered neurotic. So that's what I love about your country. You can be very much more advanced than us. And I, so I sort of took that on board. And I take my bloods and I take my metrics and obviously I measure the weights I can lift through CrossFit. And every measurement about me is just carrying on to go uphill. Even since I was 35 and I'm, I'm 60 now and it's carrying on going. Then if I can share that, then I can keep my customers out of my way as a healthcare provider. So, yeah, that was that's my story. Simple, really. Well, nice, because I say it's I, I like the the balanced approach that you have to it. And yet you are clearly, as you just mentioned, you know, kind of. These weren't your words, but in the best shape of your life. I mean, you mentioned all your numbers are, you know, headed up in the right direction yes. and, and continuing down that path. So sometimes when people advise kind of that balanced approach, it, it almost feels like a cop out, like, no, don't, don't try so hard, you know, just st stay only kind of fit, but that, you know, that's not your approach at all. Clearly, I think you've got to be phenomenally strong in old age. Old age is cruel, you know. Mum and dad are 85 and I can see it. It's a cruel time. And it might interest your listeners to know, Brock, that there's a, there's a big difference between mortality and morbidity, okay? This is an important point. So mortality is the age at which you die. And we know that that's been going up and up and up. In fact, it's starting to reverse in America, I believe. But let, let's just say we're roughly at 85 years old, aren't we, in the yeah. Western world? 
But morbidity is another word which we mistake. Morbidity is the length of time that you're unwell for, right? So a lot of people are starting to talk about health span rather than lifespan. And so I'm really interested in the amount of time that people are ill. And it's currently reckoned that on average, men are ill for 16 years and women for 13. And I think that's brutal. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, it's difficult to sort of factor in how they're ill in that 16 or 13 years, but you can bet your bottom dollar that it's going to be around a metabolic illness. And if not, it's going to be around a musculoskeletal one, you know, so we could be talking about arthritic knees, hips, joints caused by carrying too much weight possible. And that, that, that I am fearful of. I'm genuinely fearful of as a person and for other people. You know, I don't mind dying. You know, I'm going to have my time. I mean, you know, I might drop tomorrow because I had so many steroids as a kid, you know, with my asthma. Who knows? That fit old guy might just drop tomorrow way too young. But I'm doing everything I can in my journey to keep this morbidity. And I think that hopefully that I motivate people. I don't think many people are going to want to sit around for 16 years being ill. And that, and that's something that I don't think gets talked about enough. I did, I did not realize that, you know, I, I think we typically think, well, if we're unhealthy, of course, our, our overall lifespan is shorter. You know, we just die younger, but we don't think about, but yeah, we're miserable for a decade and a half before we die. You know, dying younger doesn't sound quite as bad as living very sick for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think also the thing about being fit, okay, is that you can die I mean, you can die sort of in two or three ways. So I know this is a cheerful conversation, but obviously a lot of people die of the metabolic illnesses we've been talking about, which we know, heart, all that, cancer, blah, blah, blah. Another big batch of people will die from catching something. So we're talking the COVIDs, the smallpoxes, the malarias. We're talking disease, bacteria, virus. And then the third one, which people discount, is kinetic death okay so it's a term i came across recently i think by um the founder of crossfit and it means any death caused by impact or car crash or you know the word kinetic is to be hit by something really isn't it or or an accident and the outcomes of people that have kinetic accidents are greatly massively improved by being fit massively because if you're hit with anything you know whether you trip over playing sport you're in a car crash whatever the kinetic incident is that gets so many of us your chances of repair by being strong are phenomenally improved so the whole idea of being fit and well will impact all sorts of outcomes not just keeping heart disease at bay i was unaware of that yeah mum's a good example actually she had a terrible fall in July, she's 85, remember? So she fell over trying to take a step, which her muscles wouldn't let her do. Snapped her hip, which is generally a death sentence, probably at 85, isn't it? Blood everywhere. Horrible, horrible. But lo and behold, we're about, what, four months down the line, five months? She's managed to get back upstairs to her bedroom. She's walking without a stick. And they basically said to her, look, Judy, you were in such good condition because she did Pilates and various things that you've repaired well, you know, and muscle mass, you know, I'll keep coming back to this, but muscle mass is where it's at. Yeah. Because muscle mass will, you know, you don't need to be 
you know, I can't remember the American expression for being um, whatever hench we call it in the UK. Built, is that what you call it? Yeah, cl- close enough. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be stacked, but you need to have, you know, the, the human body has 40 to 70% of its mass as muscle. 40% in people that are probably a bit sedentary and 70% of those that are well stacked. So, you know, it, it, it's your life. It, it, it's, it's the thing that's going to carry you through. And it's also the thing that's going to generate metabolic wellness as well, because it's, you know, stimulating hormones, you know, blood, blood circulate, everything, everything. It's the most underrated organ there is. Well, it's not an organ, it's a system, isn't it? That's so yeah, so muscle up is my big takeaway. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, when we think about living well forever and uh, connecting that to, to the muscle up piece in ways that I, like I say, I hadn't even thought about, hadn't realized, and um, certainly add some importance and priority to, to being in good shape and getting in shape and staying in, in shape and not just the aerobic, but also the, the muscular, uh, the muscles as well. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up here, Dave? Any last words of advice? Where where can people find you? You mentioned a YouTube channel. I know on Instagram. Where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm, you know, I've got compliance issues because I do private healthcare as well. So on Facebook, I'm just Dave Stickland. So my full name is Dave Stickland, S-T-I-C-K-L-A-N-D. But I'm that fit old guy on Instagram. And I'm that fit old guy on YouTube as well. And I've been only going out for about a year now. So I'm still getting my pace up and my advice and the quality of my content. But you know, there's there's quite a bit out there now. I try and keep it simple and I hope to get more and more professional. I don't do it for money. You know, I, I earn a living from my private healthcare insurance. So it's a work, you know, it's a work in progress. And I'm backing that fit old guy up with professional qualifications. I've just booked to become a CrossFit coach. And on the back of that, I will also do the nutrition qualification as well. And, you know, I hope that lad to the credibility because people like a qualification don't they <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. And, and, and you know there's so much noise out there right now that I, I think we look to that as at least one way of filtering noise although it doesn't always but it, it certainly helps yeah. I, well, I think the health and fitness industry is difficult it's divided up in so many pieces that you can possibly have all the qualifications anyway you've got nutrition qualifications medical qualifications physio qualifications so nobody you listen to anywhere whether on the internet social media or the press is going to have all of the expertise you you necessarily want you just got to find the sources that you find the most credible really yeah definitely dave well that feels like a, a good place to wrap up here we we've covered a lot of ground here from the three things that we need to do just you know the heart rate sleep and and food the caloric balance to kind of your pyramid there as well as just some great thoughts around, hey, we're all getting older. What's going to happen when we do? You know, how do we how do we best prepare for that? So really, really appreciate your, your time and insight here today, Dave. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to bridge the gap over the Atlantic. Hey, thanks for listening today. And can I ask a quick favor of you? If you would, please leave a a review about Midlife Mastery. And I know that can be kind of a pain sometimes. It's not always intuitive on how to go about doing it, but I have an easy way for you to do it. If you just go to www.lovethepodcast.com slash Midlife Mastery, 
lovethepodcast.com slash midlife mastery. You find it easy to leave a rating, leave a review, and it is very helpful because it lets other listeners, one, it helps them discover it, but two, it also lets them know what you value about it. And I guess three, it helps me know what you value about it. And so though I can do more of that, make sure I'm providing content that really resonates for you and really works helping you create a phenomenal midlife. And I want to share just one review really quick. And it was actually about Laura Free- the episode with Laura Friedman Williams, which I had mentioned earlier in this episode as one of the recent ones. And it just says simply, wow, episode number 38 was an eye opener. I just finished episode number 38 with Laura Friedman Williams. Such a great episode. And with about 17 minutes left, Laura describes probably one of the best exclamations of how a marriage can slowly disintegrate and finally dissolve in the empty nest. I think it's a wake-up call for anyone who wants to stay married. Great work. That's from I Do Part 2. And so thank you. Thank you for leaving a review. Glad you enjoyed the episode and glad you found it helpful, insightful, and something that really resonated for you. And so please, again, I ask... If you wouldn't mind, just leave a quick review and, of course, share episodes with with other people that you think would really value and and benefit from from what you just heard. Anyway, uh, enough about that. I'll let you get to your day uh, because I'm excited to get this day started.